Welcome to First Unitarian Society of Minneapolis, the birthplace of Congregational Humanism. We carry on that tradition of free thought today, dedicated to promoting a free search for truth, meaning, and justice. Our web address is firstunitarian.org. I'm David Breeden, Senior Minister. Welcome. Perhaps you haven't ever wondered who the best dancer was among the post-World War II French existentialist philosophers. It's a simple oversight to make. We tend to see philosophers as thinking heads, maybe smoking a cigarette and gazing into the unknown, but never cutting the rug. We know the answer concerning who the best dancer was among the post-World War II French existentialist philosophers thanks to an excellent book by the freelance historian Sarah Bakewell. It's titled, At the Existentialist Cafe, Freedom, Being, and Apricot Cocktails. The answer is Maurice Melu-Ponte, who was known in his time as the dancing philosopher. Maurice Merleau-Ponte is a name that we Americans don't know that much about, and that's a shame. Sarah Bakewell is a brilliant researcher, and she has a thorough knowledge of the existentialist milieu in Paris after the war. Also, she's able to articulate the philosophy very concisely and clearly. Take, for example, this on Sartre's most famous concept, existence proceeds essence. She writes, you might think you have defined me by some label, but you are wrong for I am always a work in progress. I create myself constantly through action and this is so fundamental to my human condition that for Sartre, it is the human condition from the moment of our first consciousness to the moment when death wipes it out. I am my own freedom, no more, no less. And also this one. Melieu Ponty saw quite calmly that we exist only through compromise with the world and that this is fine. The point is not to fight that fact or to inflate it into too great a significance, but to observe and understand exactly how that compromise works. We only exist through compromise with the world, and this is fine. Miliuponti also wrote one of my favorite quotable quotes, we can never move definitively from ignorance to certainty, for the thread of the inquiry will constantly lead us back to ignorance again. Why was Ponty the best dancer? Well, for one reason, his entire philosophy was about being in your body, how we inhabit our bodies, and how we negotiate that space that surrounds us. Ponty stated the obvious very succinctly, I am conscious of the world by means of my body. End quote. It's obvious, but we tend to forget that a lot. Nowadays, we hear the phrase lived experience everywhere. We use it to express the idea that every person's subjective experience is valid and important. 
We use it to point out what at first appears obvious, but upon examination is not so obvious, which is your lived experience and my lived experience are not the same. And that's okay. That's the nature of reality. The term lived experience has come into vogue in popular usage because it is a useful concept. It explains, for example, how one person can see history as a march toward freedom and another can see history as an endless story of subjugation and warfare. Yet, as so often happens when a philosophical idea somehow gets loose from the academic world and enters into the popular imagination, in common usage, it's not thoroughly expressed or nuanced. But that's one of the things we humanists attempt to do. We want to think things through and see the nuance. The idea of lived experience comes from a European philosophical tradition called phenomenology. Phenomena, phenomenology. Milieu-Ponty was a phenomenologist. The whole point of phenomenology is about how to live in your body. Hence the term lived experience. Lived experience is your subjective narrative based on how you have existed in your body in the world. I, for example, grew up very poor and experienced malnutrition as a child. So my bones did not develop properly. I have bent legs and a swayed back. The older I get, the more this matters in terms of how I get around in the world. Every step I take is a reflection of my lived experience of malnutrition. It's part of who I am, even though that experience was five decades ago. Now, I'm not saying poor me because that's a silly use of my time and your time. Rather, I'm saying that for all of us, our bodies and what those bodies have experienced is of the utmost importance in our own understanding of ourselves in the world. Lived experience, however, is a concept that can stay very abstract and even all up in your head because the idea ignores another part of phenomenology, which is the term lived body. Lived experience comes about because of our experience in our lived body. Merleau-Ponty wrote, quote, true reflection presents me to myself not as idle and inaccessible subjectivity, but as identical with my presence in the world and to others. As I am now realizing it, I am all that I see. I am, am an intersubjective field, not despite my body and historical situation, but on the contrary, by being this body in this situation and through them all the rest, end quote identical with my presence in the world and to others. Being present. That's just a couple of words, but it's one of the most difficult things any of us can ever imagine doing. We just don't learn that in U.S. culture. Milieu-Ponte used a simple exercise to explain the importance of lived body. Whatever you're doing right now, all right, sitting, standing, walking, lying down, whatever you're doing, stop and mentally examine how your body feels in this moment. What does sitting down feel like? What is it doing to your knees? 
your ankles, your muscles. And now, then, try to express that in your mind in words. And for most of us, that's almost impossible. Ponte insisted, right there is our first human problem. We don't even know how it feels to be in our bodies. Sure, we're aware of extraordinary things, you know, you stub your toe late at night, you run up several flights of stairs. We do not, however, grasp what it feels like from moment to moment to be in our bodies. This is the point at which another existentialist, Simone de Beauvoir, went to town, as we say in the South. Since we understand so little about how we feel within our own bodies, we can even be misled. Beauvoir says that women are sold a narrative about their bodies that is mired in patriarchal assumptions that create a self-imposed, subjugated reality. I'm to this, I'm to that, I'm not this, I'm not that. Self-imposed subjugation. Because we don't know how it feels to be in our body. Those experiences then and other personal experiences add up to that lived experience, as we call it. We also call a lot of that negative self-talk nowadays. Merleau-Ponty and Beauvoir are there to tell us the way Christian Europe and all of its colonies, the way Christianity has taught us to deal with the very natural human feelings of passion and angst and unease is to ignore our bodies. The equation taught us is spirit good, flesh evil. Ignore the body and improve your soul. Merleau-Ponty and Beauvoir are there to say that's exactly the wrong way to go. To be in any way whole and present, we must embrace both our own lived experience and our lived body. This line of thought reminds me of a poem by Ezra Pound, the American poet from the 20th century, who made the term make it news synonymous with modernism. The poem is very short and it goes like this. And the days are not full enough. And the nights are not full enough. And life slips by like a field mouse, not shaking the grass. That's the poem. And life slips by like a field mouse, not shaking the grass. Ezra Pound is describing a life lived out of your own body, ignoring your body. And the feeling of being utterly alive doesn't enter our minds. It remains ethereal. We are never experiencing enough. And our life slips by like a field mouse, not shaking the grass. What is being described there is not a life well lived in your body. Now, our theme for the month of March is renewing commitment. The first commitment all of us has to be, has to do, is to commit to ourselves to live that well-searched life of meaning, purpose, and justice-making. Yeah, philosophy and theology can seem very abstract, but existentialism is there to be the opposite of abstract. I'm reminded of the lives of the existentialists as I've watched the war on, in Ukraine unfold these past days. The existentialists were all young adults uh, during the Second World War. Uh, Merleau-Ponty was a French soldier fighting the Nazis on the front line and was wounded uh, as the French army collapsed. 
After the Nazis had captured Paris, Ponty founded an underground resistance group with Jean-Paul Sartre called Under the Boot. Sartre also fought on the front lines and was captured by the Nazis and spent time in a prisoner of war camp. And Beauvoir taught school in Paris all through the war. Paris was not severely bombed. The Nazi leadership thought of Paris as one of the centers of European civilization, and they treated the city, if not the people, with respect. The cafes, the theaters, the museums, the schools and universities all stayed open all through the occupation. The occupation years were a very surreal experience for Parisians, going to the usual cafes and shops during the day, hunting and being hunted by Nazis at night. When the Allies invaded Europe, they first chose to avoid Paris. There wasn't a meaningful Nazi presence there, and they didn't want to waste troops on a rearguard action. At that point, the French resistance, including Merleau Ponty, openly fought the Nazis in the streets until finally the Allies took notice and realized the symbolic value of liberating Paris. The existentialists had lives, very dangerous and often controversial lives. Beauvoir was raised in a strict Catholic household. She attended a convent school. She was very pious until she began asking questions. She became an atheist, saying, quote, faith allows an evasion of those difficulties which the atheist confronts honestly. And that fairly well sums up the existentialist project in general. Faith allows an evasion of those difficulties which the atheist confronts honestly. Beauvoir insisted that her body was her own, another very radical thing for women to do at the time. She and Sartre had an open relationship all of their adult lives. Beauvoir was openly bisexual. She joined with other French women in signing a petition declaring they had had abortions, even though abortion was illegal at that time in France. And Beauvoir scandalized Americans by having an open affair with the American writer Nelson Algren, who wrote The Man with the Golden Arm. And sometime you're in Chicago and you have some time, go to Wicker Park neighborhood and hang out in the coffee shops and the bars where Beauvoir and Algren hung out when Beauvoir was in the U.S. And Wicker Park is still a very artsy kind of neighborhood. The existentialists are here to tell us that our existence is an existence only, but the essence of our lives in the face of suppression, oppression, imprisonment, war, torture, murder, the essence of our lives is the choices we make in face in the face of the terrors of living. And that's what commitment is. A commitment to realizing every day where we are and making life new every day. Now, to summarize, I talked about information uh, a lot a couple of weeks ago. The folk understanding of human consciousness is called information consciousness. Many, if not most, people think that our consciousness is the product of our brains processing information. Even though this does sometimes feel true, this does not appear to be how consciousness works. 
uh, though what the consciousness is, we still don't really know. Milieu Ponty had a theory based on the concept of a lived body, and he called it intercorporeality, intercorporeality, by which he meant that we are what we are and think what we think based on our interactions with our own bodies, but also others, not only partners, not only our relatives, relations, but every person we encounter, every living being we encounter. If we experience other bodies as mere objects, the other, we are, Milieu Ponty said, walking among corpses. He used German corpor. We are choosing to walk through our lives experiencing others as corpses. And that's one way to live. But it's not, as Ezra Pound would tell us, a fulfilling one. Milieu Ponty said that we must take our own lived experience and our own lived body out into the world of other living bodies. Liebe, he wrote it in German. Realizing that our very thoughts and very being are created by intercorporality, a living body among other living bodies, and plants and animals, the planet, and all other living things. Now, I invite us all to live in that place. That'll make it new. See if you can. It's a place of compassion. We can get there by recommitting to making it new every day. It may or may not make you a better dancer, but it can make us all better human beings. Thanks for listening. You can find much more about humanism and what's happening at First Unitarian Society in Minneapolis by visiting our website at firstunitarian.org.